0: Welcome to Integral Christian Network podcast, where we explore ways of evolving towards a more loving, inclusive, and embodied mystical Christianity.
1: Well, it looks like our subject today is uh, spirit guides, and uh, I've been uh, been wondering why that subject has seemed so important to me, and uh, recently I've come to some clarity about that. Uh, there are numerous and quite different ways to understand Christianity that have been offered down through the centuries and today. Uh, I was reading a New Testament scholar, Amy Jill Levine, and she said that no single picture of Jesus has convinced all or even most scholars. She says that all portraits of Jesus are subject to criticism by some group of scholars. So no, 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 Christians don't agree on anything. <laughs> uh, and the earliest Christians uh, had all kinds of different views about uh, what came to be called Christianity. And the, the first significant controversy was about uh, whether Jewish Christians would become Gentile Christians. And that that occupied the stage for about the first hundred years. And uh, eventually Christianity, after a hundred years, became completely separate from Judaism. But that was a big deal since it started off with, with a bunch of Jews. And uh, as I understand it, the most uh, significant controversy today is around uh, what Marcus Borg says, uh, that uh, first of all, Jesus was a spirit person. And by spirit person, he, Borg means that Jesus was a, a mediator of the sacred. Uh, God was some, some someone to be experienced. And uh, this is in what uh, we would call mystical Christianity. And uh, most groups today seem to uh, obscure the mystical heart of Jesus to me. And uh, uh, I think Carl, uh, Catholic theologian Carl Reiner had it right when he said that the Christian of the future will be a mystic or he will not exist at all. So uh, I find what one believes about Jesus is uh, much less important than how one relates to him. And uh, 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 is Jesus a great teacher, a prophet of justice and social and environmental change or, or one who shows us the way to God and how to live? Well, yes, uh, all three of those. But I think, first of all, uh, Jesus wants to be our guide and friend in mystical communion. And this is Jesus as our transforming friend. And everything else finds its most integrated place after that. This makes Jesus the, the prototype mystical spirit guide for me. This doesn't mean he's the only spirit guide, but rather he opens the way for all high-level, authentic spirit guides to do their work in all healing traditions and all spiritual paths. And so th- that's that. That seems to me that's why I think this is so important. That this is this is sort of basic, fundamental, core view of Jesus and Christianity. That is mystical communion with God and Jesus and other other spiritual beings is at the heart of uh, part of this so uh, so that's what I offer. You know, Paul, that's, that's great.
2: That's a great place to start with Jesus (laughs) as we talk about spirit guides. And, and I wonder if most people think about Jesus as a spirit guide or, or often maybe put him in a separate category. Um, so I like how you kind of bring that forth as, um, as, as a primary starting place. I know for my own story, that was who was with me from a young age and, and continuing on for many years, uh, until more of my story unfolded. And I think that's probably the way it it was for for many Christians, Uh, although there's also kind of been this perhaps uh, movement away from that, right? A sort of shying away from from a personal presence or a a too familiar relationship with Jesus for some reason. And and we can talk more about why that is, right? Um, But I'd love to hear kind of first of all, Paul, just some of your own story in how Jesus has been a spirit guide for you and and how that's unfolded in your life.
1: Well, I was interested, Luke, the the other day, I think our last group that we met with, one of the fellows who had a Catholic background said, uh, he he, he said, nobody talked to Jesus when I was growing up except the priest. And uh, so he said, when he he read what I'd written about growing up and everybody talked to Jesus, that was was new to him. he said, I, "I wish I'd have been there and had that from the beginning." Uh, of course, yeah. in, in my in my church, that was talking to Jesus was the normal thing. Uh, I I don't know if that uh, if that uh, what that meant to people. I think to some people that was really a, a vital devotional relationship. It didn't mean much to me except that I did it. And I, I and I couldn't say I ever felt Jesus' presence as a kid. I just said prayers to Jesus like all the kids in the youth group did. Uh, and uh i uh, I was always looking for that uh, that experience of Jesus' presence, although I, I don't i't I didn't, I, I didn't have a label for what I was looking for. I was looking for uh, something to experience. And uh, uh, I, I went to therapy because I had my, my emotional breaks on. So I didn't have a lot of presence left to experience the presence of Jesus. Uh, and uh, I was always aiming for that and wanting to experience Jesus more. Went to seminary, hoping, hoping that would... Uh, that would help, and I got a lot of information about Jesus. <laughs> but uh, 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 And a, a lot of people prayed there, but I, I didn't have any help in experiencing uh, Jesus. And uh, after I became pastor of the church I was at, I uh, got involved in the charismatic movement and hung around some of the, uh, I hope more sane charismatic leaders Hoping some of their experience, they seemed they seemed to well, they all had mystical experiences. That's for sure, and Jesus was real to them. I hoped it would rub off on me, and uh, and it didn't. Uh, oh, yeah, although uh, I found that our, as our worship became more uh, enthusiastic, and and uh, David Hunker, our worship leader, uh, got us to move into a more mystical sense and presence in the worship time, that was, that was helpful. Uh, but it wasn't until, uh, until I uh, encountered Ken Wilber, who uh, leave it to a, a Buddhist to teach me how to meditate, and pray, <laughs> and, uh, and until I owned my own uh, sexuality, I had, I had been uh, um, in total denial about my uh, being gay. And so when I owned my, took the lid off my sexuality and my emotions, I took the lid off my spirituality and Jesus became real. It was wonderful. It was just yeah,
2: that's, awesome. Paul, I want to pause you there for a second because we can we can keep going. But but I think there's a really important uh, deal there as we talk about spirit guides and as we, we think about people's experience of them or lack of experience of them. Right. A lot of times when this comes up, I know, I know many people are just kind of like, wait, what, like, (laughs) is there, there's like spirits around me or, you know, they they don't have any experiential connection to that. And, and the way that you framed it of, um, of how you didn't have any presence left over to experience the presences around you just really struck me. I think, I think that's a really important point there of, of, of awareness and of what kind of hampers us in our ability to even be open to perceiving those. Could you say a little bit
1: more about that? Well, and of course you're a you're a uh, you're a PhD in presence. <laughs> you uh, you know, I, I find in our relationship that's one of the great things you bring to it is this presence, and you have that with people you're around, and and I think that's wonderful. Uh, and I'm just now uh, coming into that. Uh, but uh, when, I, when I got in touch with uh, my my uh, feelings, which had been all bottled up uh, all kinds of feelings, but especially sexual feelings, uh, a whole new world of uh, apprehending the presence of Jesus opened up mm. and the presence of people, too. I mean, yeah, you know, people. People are sexual beings, and Jesus was a sexual being, and emotional being, and people are emotional beings. And whoa, there, 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 we were in all of our emotional, sexual glory. <laughs> it was wonderful. It was yeah. Just but it continues. Uh,
2: well, sure. I mean, I know that that that's true for me too. Yeah, when I started uh, opening up more to that awareness, sensing kind of the energy of other people. Uh, more deeply and more spiritually energetically um, that definitely helped me begin to sense that energy and presence in, in non-physical forms too. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely a big part of it. Yeah. So tell me, so then Jesus showed up, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He really did. And uh, I, I, I remember now I've never, I've never seen Jesus. I'm a visual person, but that, that I've not never had a vision of him. That's why I collected pictures of him, I guess. Uh, but- How many, I, like a
2: hundred, hundreds of pictures of him, right?
1: 240. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. They, yeah, they they lined all the hallways of the church I was at and they're now in their own gallery at a, a, a college here in Missouri. I, I donated them to the college. But anyway, so, but I could sense his presence and uh, I can remember uh, one day uh, I was talking to him and he was about five feet in front of me. That's where he always was. And I said, uh, could you come a little closer? And uh, so suddenly he was up about an inch from my nose. <laughs> and I said, uh, that's too close. And He laughed <laughs> and came around to my side and uh, touched my arm, my, my right arm with his hand. And he said, is that okay? And I said, oh, that's wonderful. That's just right. And uh, what's interesting is that touch has stayed with me ever since then. And it's, it's always there. And uh, that's why I, I, I encourage people, whatever guide they're connecting with, is to, to, uh, to ask to be touched because all I have to do to feel Jesus' presence is is remind myself of that hand on my right arm and there he is. and uh, so uh,
2: yeah, that's that's a real I think the touch and the spatial dynamic. For me, I know what growing up, my sense of Jesus, it was always like he was kind of back over my right shoulder behind me, you know? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> like yeah. this,
2: this sort of spectre presence that I couldn't see. Right. It was, there was very significant that it was behind me, you know, <laughs> that he yeah. was behind me Um and my sense of that. And then that changed over time for me too. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you've had experience with the touching uh, your, your guides in some way, haven't you?
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that that sense of physical touch is, um, yeah, is really important. Not, not as much with Jesus, um, but some of my other guides, uh, hand on the cheek, um, a feeling mm. on my back or yeah, things like that. So that how does that, effect, how
1: does that affect you?
2: It's uh, yeah, it, it's like a, a good sort of hello. <laughs> um, Cause it, I don't know, maybe it's like a, a listening thing, an auditory, right? I, if I start talking to one of my guides or, or really intentionally move into that space, there, there can be, I think I can hear it, hear them a little better. Um, but if, if I'm not paying attention or if, um, or even if I am right, there's, there's just sort of this nice gesture of kind of like a, a physical, hello, a somatic, like here I am, you know, and it, it helps kind of bring the reality to it as well. You know, we all, most of us, I'm sure, I think with you too, Paul, when you have, conversations or um interact with words with your guides it's it's not audible right it it's it's in your head it's what it's sort of a different quality and tenor to the voices right that we learn to discern but it's not it's not like you're hearing them um, um you know audibly so the same for me and in that sense the feeling of the touch is is also a nice little confirmation of like, Oh yeah, that's definitely a feeling like, you know, I, I have thoughts in my head all the time. <laughs> um, but I don't often feel someone else's touch on my skin. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a really good way to kind of experience and not just in the confirming cause it's really sweet. It's, um, it's a comforting presence or it has a, a sense of, um, energy to it, right. That, that might be encouraging or, uh, loving or uh, or guiding or or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it has a calming effect on me. I I have that that busy mind too. Uh, I, I I can re- remember as a kid getting a haircut, and I always loved it when the barber touched my head. You know, it was like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> yeah, that <yeah. laughs> there's a there's a peacefulness about being a being touched, yeah. I well, think that, there's something
0: important here too. If you don't mind me jumping in, oh, dude, I was just going to invite you in. I was like, people yeah. don't even know
2: you're here with us,
0: and yeah. <laughs> a barn owl in this conversation. So I'm putting out my hoot right now. Um, I I think for me, uh, it's it's also been something of, um, and, and Paul, you leaned into this just a minute ago. That for me, the way that I've experienced it is, it's worked wonders on my nervous system. I hadn't realized how, even after all the work I've done, how sometimes clenched up my nervous system is or how hopped up it is on LA energy and, Mm -hmm. and having what I believe is Jesus's hand on my right shoulder, having moved from about two feet, three feet away to now behind me and supporting me. And then I also have another presence, uh, within the heart space, but, um, It really has, you know, reframed what my own presence is. We talked about this just a minute ago. Now I'm not just present to myself, to others, to infinite spirit, but I'm not ever truly alone. We say this in in Christianity, you know, that, that where two, three are gathered or God is always with you, those things. But there's a whole ecosystem that's supporting each of us and is interconnecting each of us. And i I feel like this would be a really good spot to maybe tease out a little bit more what we mean when we sense their presence or when we are in communion with their presence. ICN believes that the spirituality that we're talking about is not for elites, but is for everybody. So Paul I was wondering if we could go back to what you just shared a minute ago when you sensed Jesus about five feet in front of you and you said hey would you come a little bit closer uh, because there's a little um, there's a little caveat in there you said you've never seen him but you have sensed him so can you maybe tease out a little bit more what you mean when you 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 sensed him five feet in front of you but then you sensed him so close to you said that may be a little too close. Can you, can you describe that, that phenomena, for lack of a better word?
1: Yeah, one of the things that Luke's, Luke talks about is the, uh, the language uh, of uh, the mystical languages that we use. And uh, uh, visionary language is, is one language we use. Uh, people see things. And uh, I, I have a new guide that for the first time I actually saw him, uh, but that's n- normally I, I haven't seen Jesus. And there's the, the, the hearing language, which sort of words of appear in your head like somebody's talking in your mind. And uh, there's the uh, uh, emotional language, which is partly that sense of the presence that uh, you have of someone being there when you're when you're with somebody, you sort of sense their presence, and there's the language of uh, sensations, body sensations. Uh, Luke has uh, when we're when we're uh, meeting with We Space groups, and it's time for an integral prayer. His his language is uh, well. I felt this on my body. I felt that touch on my body. I felt this sensation here, and uh, that. That always communicates something to the people that we're praying for, and then there's the uh, language of intuition that comes from our gut, our spiritual womb, which is uh, it's like a, 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 just a download into our gut that moves up to our head, and we become aware that there's something there that uh, that, that that we're we're sensing. So. Um, with all those languages, most people have one language that they, they're really comfortable with. And, uh, uh, so, so I, I was comfortable with sensing Jesus. Now I've added that language of touch, which is really wonderful. And then, uh, I've had the language of, of hearing words. I, I, my, my, uh, My mom used to read Unity literature, the word for the day, and I I, uh, used to do that when I was in my twenties and thirties. I'd wake up and say, "Okay, uh, uh, you know what's my word for the day?" If there was a Unity pamphlet around, and then one day I thought, "You know how how do the people of Unity know what my word is? You know what? Why don't I get my word right from God?" So I started saying, "God, what's my word for today?" And a word would pop into my mind. And I would think about it all day long. And usually, sometime during the day, it would be like, whoa, that is just the word I needed for that. So uh, that was the beginning of my auditory uh, language uh, beginning to come. And uh, one uh, one of our We Spacers, our IC and board member, George Worley, who's a uh, hypno- professional hypnotherapist. He said that recently He reminded me, he said, oftentimes, if you're asking a guy a question before you're finished with the question, the answer will come come to you. And I thought, Oh, I've had that experience. That that's often true before I just start with the question. And then the answer comes in the form of, uh, uh, uh words in my head and, uh, of course, when we start, you start off this this deal, you immediately say, I made this up. Uh, we know we think it's our imagination. And there's some truth to that. That is, uh, everything we hear and see and sense is a co-creation. Uh, I like to I like to illustrate it with Jesus that God gives us the presence of Jesus, and we shape what he looks like and feels like, and you know, uh uh, I mean, most Americans seem to have like a blonde, blue-eyed Jesus, <laughs> and, and I guess that's okay with Jesus because he appears, however, however we need him to. And and in in, in my faces Je- of Jesus collection, there was an Asian Jesus, and a Chinese Jesus, and a Japanese Jesus, and an African American Jesus. And and what Jesus tells me is, hey. I'll appear, I'll appear any way anybody wants me to. It doesn't make any difference what I look like to me. I just want to be connected to you and I want you to know how much I love you. So uh anyway, that's a long answer to what you asked.
2: No, that's good. I mean, I I I was um thinking about it too. I mean, in the mystical languages, I'm less auditory. Uh, like like we said, I have the somatic and, and that times visual, but but maybe just to even step back a little bit and, and perhaps demystify it uh, a tad, <laughs> I, I, there, there's an interesting thing you can try. Anytime you're sitting in the room with someone else, like a, another person, right? Maybe they're doing something. Maybe they're on your phone. Just close your eyes and feel their presence, right? Maybe you'll hear little clicks or things, right? But especially if they're quiet maybe they're sleeping, that could, well, uh, don't get creepy or whatever, right? (laughs) Um, But if someone's, if someone's there and you close your eyes and you, you stop relying on your five senses, right? Sight, hearing, well, you're not tasting them, right? Or, you know, the five senses, right? So you're just, you're just sitting there and feeling like you can get a sense, right? Oh, there's someone over there, right? Well, you already knew that because you were there before, right? But you're, it's a good way to kind of you know, non-mystically, if you will, just, uh, recognize that, that people carry this sort of energetic signature, right. Or this energetic presence there, there's something that we can feel. I would bet most everyone could do that or feel that, um, that, that is pretty accessible and approachable. And that's sort of what's happening when we're sensing a presence, right. Um, we're feeling someone there that, um, that we can't see that, Maybe we can't hear, we can't feel, right? Those those senses do come in and can come in and will come in uh, as we open more to that. But there's also sort of just that. I think that's what you're describing, Paul, when you say sensing, right? It's just like a a feeling that we get that there's there's someone there. Um so that's that's been helpful for me. And and I think too, there's there's also a shift that comes and that helps with recognizing a personal form of that presence. I know. Uh, A lot of times we might talk about God's presence or, you know, God is always with you. It's sort of this sort of amorphous spirit felt energy, right? Oh, you know, God is around and in everything. And, you know, that's good. That's true. And that's that's certainly something we can experience. But when we talk about spirit guides or spirit presences or companions, we're talking about personal presences. Um, And that's a little different and brings different qualities and dynamics to it.
0: This is also part of the um, second face, um, second person experience of God. And the more we practice sensitivity, the more that we become subtle and supple in the way that we practice our spirituality. Um, The word is not necessarily the best way to put it, but there's a personality almost to these presences that there's a there's a sensitivity in them. There is. It's not a usury relationship. It's a relationship, you know, Mm. and so we we don't move into it just to have the experience. That's that's just replacing human bodies with spiritual bodies. So there's something to it where as we become more sensitized to things seen and unseen, we also become sensitized to the feelings that these guides have And I was wondering, you know, Luke, I know that um, and this is almost bridging the previous question with this question as well, because you've also had in that subtle experience, it can also be so I don't want to say dramatic, but it can be very influencing and impactful, say, to have a touch on the cheek, a hand on the shoulder, you know, your heart transform in my case. But can you say more about maybe a little bit how you have experienced that second person.
2: Yeah, definitely. Sure. Um, yeah. And that second person, right. just to kind of recap, we've talked about the three faces of God before, which is first person, God being me experience of God within third person, God beyond me or the, it, the object, right. The out there, the mystery, the infinite beyond. And then second person is that relational you, right. I, you, um, it uh, in the three faces, and so the you is is a relational kind of thou, thou, you are saying, right? Not an I, thou. I mean, th- there's there's a reciprocity there, right? There's an actual personality and presence. They're not just serving me, right? <laughs> it's not all one way. Yeah, there is a there is a real two way relationship there in the second person in the you, and um, you know, it's it's been good for me to experience that with Jesus. I, I think I'll talk more about my other sort of primary guide, uh, which is Danu, a Celtic goddess. And, uh, d- don't worry, I'm not worshiping her. So I'm not breaking any commandments of, uh, you know, <laughs> worshiping any other gods or goddesses in this case, uh, <laughs> there's no bowing down. Um, uh, but, but yeah, she came to me. So, so this, this was a few years ago, right around the time my, my daughter was born. And I had already been sort of feeling and sensing a need and desire to open more to the divine feminine. And I didn't know what that would look like, how that was, the concepts eluded me, which is probably more a masculine way of trying to understand it anyway. <laughs> and so I just kind of held open this intention, like, all right, I want to I wanna learn more about the divine feminine, might have been how I said it then. <laughs> but I wasn't reading books. I was, but I, I, that wasn't where I was looking for it. And so, yeah, Danu just appeared and rushed upon me, like, kind of like Paul was sharing with Jesus, getting really close. I mean, Danu just came from and just was like, like flew into my face with, with fierceness and strength. Um, this wasn't a, a meek and mild woman, right? This is, this is Danu, the mother goddess, the, um, the goddess of, of rivers and fertility and creativity. Um, her name means to flow. And so she came upon me as a very real uh, personhood presence, right? She, she has distinct qualities. I mean, I, I didn't necessarily see her maybe faint impressions because as I described her to my wife, she said, oh, that sounds like Danny because I didn't know who she was when she appeared <laughs> and uh, my wife a little more versed in, in Celtic lore and um, things like that and so I Googled it, looked it up and saw some pictures and artists portrayals and things. And it, it wasn't so much like, Oh, that, that picture right there, that's what her hair looked like. Or that's, it was like the felt sense of seeing those images resonated with the felt sense of my experience of her coming to me. And um, yeah, at first she touched me on, on my right cheek. That's how I knew she was there. And we can talk a little bit more about this too, as well. Perhaps there's 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 some guides that are more companions. You know, we use the word guide, right? Which is just kind of a moniker, um, but a lot of times it's just like a, a companion, a personal presence, right? Someone who's there with you, and then sometimes it can also be very guiding, right? Um, they're they're going to take us somewhere, uh, or they have something to show us, or they're gonna they're gonna lead us. Um, that's much more kind of connected to perhaps. How guides are experienced in shamanic traditions or, or other traditions as well. So, um, Daniel has definitely very much been a guide for me. She's she's taken me places in my myst- mystical journey and and experiences that have helped unfold things that I never would have planned myself <laughs> or that I wouldn't have outlined or that I wouldn't have right if I if I had the map and wrote it out and oh these are the the steps of development and all these things right no like um, that's all in my control. And I think that's an element of being guided, an element of a second-person relationship, just like just like a healthy relationship with any person in our lives, right? There's there's a reciprocity, there's a give and take. They they bring things to us in the relationship that we don't expect or that we, we don't plan on, or um, they they bless us in that way, right? They enrich our lives because um, because it takes it it beyond just the sort of um, singular perspectival. Planning, living, growing, right, and and we can get that way in our spiritual lives sometimes, and that's where the second person's really really helpful for that. And I have certainly experienced that uh, with Danu. So yeah, there's that 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 interesting dynamic between presence and guiding, and um, I've experienced a bit of both of those through different guides, um, but Danu's definitely been a guide for me.
1: I'm a David, curious. I'd be interested, David, in your uh, you you said you had another guide. Uh oh, how, how you experience that other guide? Does she or he or it have a name? and so on.
0: She does. Um, her name is her name is Sarima, and um, I became aware of her presence during um, one of my hypnotherapy sessions. And it's mm. hard, it's hard to describe um, that experience in terms of how I was seeing it um, putting that in quotes there, but how I was seeing it visually, um, my heart space kind of went from, I don't, this is really hokey, but it almost went from, uh, the scene in the little mermaid when all the little creatures are trying to hold Ariel down. (laughs) I have kids too, Luke, uh, (laughs) but it was like it had moved from this unhealthy, you know, uh, floor bed like this ocean except the ocean is beautiful and this wasn't or at least it was just unhealthy and as it was getting cleansed out I became very well aware of her presence and it's it gets very personal but um I think I'll leave it at that at that point um and she's with me and quite often what I find now is that I'm padding my heart space much more these days to keep myself soft to Mm. remind myself not to put the shield up so easily or so unconsciously. Mm. And um, mm. there's moments where I'm with people where I know I, I got, I need to keep my heart space open that me, there's, I can be intuitive. I'm, I can be, a, I believe a highly intuitive person. I can attune to people somewhat easily as a spiritual director and I can be aware of things that are being unsaid, but without the heart space, it's still more of a mental trip as I'm trying to connect with them. And I found mm-hmm. that if I'm if I'm being aware of Serena's presence and being aware of um I'll just use the word this vaginal openness with the heart space, that there's something that needs to be received and something that needs to be communed with. Uh, that she she has been um, a, a wonderful companion, a guide but also a companion in that sense. Um, Not only is she leading me, but she's helping me to learn how to commune with myself, with her, with Jesus, with others. Mm,
2: Yeah. And there's, you know, we, that, that just reminds me, you know, guides and personal presences second person is is probably most naturally experienced with our heart right you know that's that's sort of the primary place of that and and that goes back to kind of the sensing like right how do we sense with our heart Um, but there's also other energies and relational connections that we can have um, with our guides that maybe speak to particular dynamics or or particular spaces in our in our bodies, um, Paul. If you wouldn't mind talking, I know you're. You mentioned earlier, newest your newest guide uh, has a little more connection to your womb space, uh, right?
1: Yes, 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 yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I uh, had been. Uh, I've ha- had a, n- a number of guides. Uh, some years ago, I had a, a fourth century monk that we had some interesting conversations about him and his monastery, which was outside a village and included women. That was interesting. And, uh, and then I had uh, uh, a connection with the uh, John. That was John, Jesus's beloved disciple. That was my first guide besides Jesus. Uh, my I uh, went to an uh, uh, energy healer for a number of years and I asked her if she had any help about my guides. And and she said, well, yeah, who are you attracted to? And I said, well, I, I I sure love the disciple John. And she said, well, ask him if you'll be your guide. And so I did. And he immediately said, I've been waiting for you to ask me. And I broke out crying and said, well, I thought you'd be too busy. <laughs> and he said, oh, come on, you know. Time and space thing doesn't apply in this this dimension, and uh, so uh, and then I had uh, I had Mary, uh, uh, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene as some guides. They both each held one of my hands, and um, that's kind of faded. They they <laughs> Be, being being a gay man, I thought I probably ought to have some feminine guides. And it says, since the two of you do, I thought I needed to keep up. So, uh, and and they they were they were a good feminine presence, uh, but I didn't connect in the same way. Uh, so uh, I, I had been feeling this uh, sense of well, I wonder if there are there, there are some other guides out there. And then Luke uh, uh, Luke uh, some weeks ago said uh, he saw a guide uh, for me uh, <clears throat> a uh, Dark-skinned guide in a golden robe, and he was associated with my my gut, my spiritual womb, and that just instantly like, oh wow, that sounds wonderful. And uh, one reason it sounded wonderful is uh, is uh, if if I'd have come up with a African-American guide, I thought, oh no, that's just my my erotic self. Uh, uh coming to the front because my partner is African American and uh, but Luke came up with it. so it must be okay. and, and, and it was and it was he's been incredibly liberating. I uh, asked him what his name was and all I could get out of it was a Z. And so I researched uh, and he and he, got, he seemed like he was an ancient guy uh, and researched uh, him in history. And there was a uh, a, a guide uh Zadgil, who uh, is a place in history. Some think he was the the angel that uh, that uh, that told um, who was going to sacrifice his son. Uh, and uh,
2: uh, uh, Abraham. angel Abraham,
1: Abraham, that's it. The angel that came and took the sword away from Abraham and said. You know, no, enough of that. <laughs> no more of that sort of stuff. And that that was that was uh, Zad, as I call him. I, I I don't know about that, but anyway, it seems to fit. And uh, he has been uh, a very uh, uh, energizing presence. And and Luke, as you said, it's it's a new feeling to sense Zad's connection his hands he puts his hands on my tummy and I, with jesus of course it's, it's a very heart heart deal and uh, Zad is uh, very erotic i, I uh, you said he had all a golden robe sometimes he wears a golden robe and sometimes he doesn't wear anything at all uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah. so so that's that's my sexual orientation. Uh, But it's it's wonderful. Once once again, it's a very liberating liberating thing. I still have remnants of homophobia. I still have remnants of it's not okay for me to feel my natural sexual impulses. And so that's been incredibly uh, liberating. And... uh, I'm. Uh, I have a picture of him now. Up, uh, at least. I. Oh, by the way, I don't know if I told you this, Luke. I saw. I saw him. This is the first guy that I've seen. I was in a in a in a drenched out state, and he suddenly appeared, and he was very dark skinned, and uh, I and I knew it knew it was him, and so I w- I, I went looking for pictures of African americans who look like him and I, I found one and created a, 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 a picture of, of what I think he might look like and it's it found its place in my, my 15 other big images of Jesus here in my my living room. So that that has been very exciting and there's a new energy in my gut that uh, I, I haven't found before it's, mm. it's, it's wonderful
2: yeah that, well that space right yeah is connected to our vitality and eros right as a spiritual resource i mean Christianity, we've talked about this before on this podcast but christianity and it's it's shame around sexuality right is is such a um a damaging yeah. and, and healthy lineage so it's really um yeah freeing and, and liberating to have those experiences that can um embrace our human sexuality right and not have to get all shameful or worried if, if that's a part of our experience. Um, yeah, that's, that's great. So that, yeah, that's the womb And I, I, it might be too late, but I, I was thinking, I was like, we should step back a little bit. If any skeptics are still listening and they've actually made it this far <laughs> without, <laughs> without turning it off. Right. Um, you know, Isn't this kind of new age, um, hocus pocus, right? Is this like, and even the way we're talking about it, right? We're, we're going beyond Jesus. We're going beyond saints, right? We're, we're kind of, we're kind of geeking out on it because we've had lots of experiences with it and enjoyed it and it's been really rich for us. Right. But how can we speak to maybe someone who's still a little skeptical, who's unsure, um, you know, maybe they have mixed feelings with Jesus, or you know, is is this just something that has come about with with New Age stuff, or is there any is there any um, you know sort of underpinning for this in the Bible, or uh, or are we just kind of way out in left field here?
1: Well, I I think uh, people have a right to be skeptical. I think a, a lot of things uh, floating around about angels and spirit guides are a little, are kind of fuzzy and fantastical. Yeah. And uh, I, I say in one of my articles coming up uh, that, uh, uh, that we, need to, we need to be very discerning. And uh, I don't ask people just to believe everything I say and certainly don't believe everything you read or hear, uh, but see if it works out in your experience. Uh, so um, uh, on, on that note, yeah uh, it it it's become very clear to me that uh jesus um modeled for us what it meant to have uh spirit companions and the most prominent well he, he was he was born with the spirit guides announcing his birth and uh, talking to joseph and talking to mary
2: wait i and, thought those were angels flying in the sky yeah,
1: yes yes that, that's what the The Greek word is angelos, which we translate as angel. Uh, In the Bible, uh, these angels didn't have wings. They were just messengers. Uh, The only only thing that might have resembled angels with wings are the cherubims and seraphims in the Old Testament, and they don't reappear in the New, and they have their own category. But, uh, But angels in the New Testament didn't have wings. Uh, and, and I say that just to, to make make that clear that in the fourth century the uh, translators of the Latin vulgate uh, decided that, uh, that, that that these messengers from God Angelos, some of them seemed to be just human messengers like you know somebody would appear a friend and some of them appeared to be divine and so they were gonna they were going to decide which was which, and they would translate the human messengers as messenger and they would translate the divine messenger as angels. Well, that was a translator's choice and and I think they did a bad thing then because the the word is the same for human and divine. If we need to make any difference at all, we probably don't. So, uh, but what happened is uh, in the course of uh, artists trying to depict these messengers, they began to draw wings on them because that communicated sort of the sense of the heavenly, and so uh, angels with wings became the more common understanding of of angels. And because these are co-creations, uh, as the messengers say, just like Jesus will appear to you any way you want. If you want angel, an- if you want wings, if you want claws, if you want halos will appear anyway what you want we we just want the connection and uh so uh Jesus is but then Jesus uh, uh key experience as he took uh, Peter James and John with him up to the mountain of transfiguration that we call it uh and Moses and Elijah appeared to him well uh, Moses and Elijah been dead for a long long time so uh Jesus talked to dead guys. Why did he do that? Because he needed to talk to two dead guys. He was facing his, uh, his upcoming crucifixion. And uh, the gospels say that, that uh, Jesus talked about his upcoming departure. The word is exodus in Greek. Uh, and uh, he, he needed some help. And I, and I used to think, well, what, why didn't he talk to God, Abba, his, his daddy, about that? Well, because he needed to talk to two people who had lived and died. He needed to talk to people who had been humans and experienced this and could give him some reassurance. And uh, that's why we need guides too. We need these spirit messengers. And uh, so Jesus uh, got what he needed from Moses and Elijah, and he had another messenger appear to him uh, in, in Gethsemane as he was still wrestling with this. And he had, a, he had a messenger that took him on a spirit journey in his temptation. Uh, the messenger took him up to the mountain and showed him some of his weaknesses so he could uh, overcome them. So Jesus's life was filled with messengers. And uh, these there's 20 incidences of these in the, in the Gospels and, uh, and, and the Book of Acts. Very common occurrence. So I think we, if you're a if you're a Christian who puts some validity in the Bible, uh, you should have no 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 problem with this. And uh, if you're uh, not a Christian, uh, well, try it out. Uh, matter of fact, my invitation to you is, if you think if you if you want to see if Jesus is real or not, ask him.
2: yeah well and and i mean as i mentioned before the shamanic tradition has a long history of guides i mean that it's 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 all throughout people have been visited by messengers or what we might right sometimes call angels and all sorts of different cultures and societies and religions and so this this definitely has a long history but but i want to ask then paul like try it out ask them you know do we need to go to the mount of transfiguration do we need to go to the desert or gethsemane right How, how do we how would we try that out? How does it look like? How do we, uh, how do we access
1: that? What a good question. Well I think uh, Jesus is going up to the mountain with Peter James and John was a model for us. One, this is a, this is a, it's a great way to connect with your spiritual guides in a group that is doing this because they create they, they generate an, an atmosphere for that. And on the way up to the mountain, Jesus was setting his intention about moving into an altered state of consciousness, which is what happened. And uh, we connect with our guides by moving into a, you can call it a meditative state of consciousness, a, a non-ordinary state. Uh, uh, the new Testament calls it a trance three times. Uh, but it's a, it's a, when your mind calms down, you calm it down by your breathing and by Focusing on something, uh, a lot of meditation techniques help us move into that that uh, more transcendent, calm state. And it's in that uh, in that uh, mystical state or that the non ordinary state of being awake at a higher level of consciousness that the veil between this world and the other world, between the subtle realm and the normal physical realm that we're, we normally operate in the, the physical realm that veil gets pulled back and we can connect with these spiritual beings and Jesus because that's where they live now. That's that's the way we access them. So uh, we're, we're, we're not gonna discover our spiritual guides normally while we're watching television or taking care of the kids. Uh, it requires at least initially some uh, getting away from things and moving into another state where we can access these, this spiritual or subtle realm. Uh, now, after you've accessed it, I feel Jesus is touch with me all the time. Yeah. If I am watching television or I'm doing something else, uh, I still feel his touch, but I initially access that in a meditative state. So, uh, that that that's, that's the practice that we call whole body mystical awakening, which is uh, the practice that we have uh, evolved with, that m- helps move you your body into that mystical state, and you're able to connect with your head, your heart, your gut, and your feet in grounding in the earth, and uh, it gets you it gets you there pretty quick.
2: Yeah, and we have a couple of meditations, one in particular, Paul, that you just recently did about meeting your spirit guides. And so we'll put that in the show notes to have um, if anyone wants to to do that practice to help be led in that and guided into that sort of experience. And, the, and then, like you said, um, it can be really powerful to have that happen in a group field, in a we space. Um, you, you know, you mentioned before I saw a guide for you when the two, when you and I were just practicing and Um, and then in we space groups, there's, there's some people who see guides for others. And Paul, you, you do that a lot, but, um, you know, we want to be careful there and discerning of course, absolutely. But, uh, there is certainly something to the collective field. As we said before, this is a second person relational thing. Uh, and so when we're in a more relational field, as David mentioned earlier, where two or three are gathered, right. Um, there can be a real heightened sensitivity there to, to both seeing and sensing presences. Yeah. So so David I'm um yeah I'm curious uh about this in 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 for you uh I what do we need this like <laughs> like like what what is I mean we we kind of talked through it and around it a little bit right some benefits of this some things we've experienced personally but can we just sort of leave that to the the woo woo people and the you know like well I, I don't know if this is for me, right? Like <laughs> maybe what what's, what's been, why, why have you needed it or what's, what's really stood out to you um, in your experience with guides here?
0: I think a, an important question, even though you're aiming it at me specifically is not just why me, but why now? And not just why now in, in my experience, but why now in how Christianity is evolving Mm-hmm. And it, it returns to a previous question that was that was asked that, although Paul had a different way of putting it, the, the, way that, the way that I've worked with it is when we don't understand something, we reduce it to how we can understand it. So when we take something like Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah, we actually mythologize that, even though we probably wouldn't use that word, we'd be allergic to it but we'd say, well, that's for him. And as Christianity is becoming more complex, echoing something that Paul shared further, Christians don't seem to get along on just about anything, which is great because that means that we're, if we can at least have humane conversation, we're complexifying. But I, for me, it's, it. it I don't need one more experience. I don't need one more spiritual experience for its own sake. I want to keep evolving because love is something that's transforming me, even if it's incremental. So my spirit guides and companions are an experience of evolving love. Because yeah. my, my experience of communion is complexifying. My my experience of union yeah. is complexifying. Oops. My experience of how I identify as David is evolving and enlarging and expanding and becoming more complex. And so I don't know if I'm directly answering your question, but no. I yeah. I do feel like what's important is not only in my life but my life as it is in the context of others is complexifying and it seems to me that at the cutting edge and i really don't like that word but at the edges of evolving christianity right now our guides it's an important conversation and it's an important experience because earth really needs for loving presences And unseen loving presences that are connected to these loving presences on the earth to keep complexifying and keep seeing things and calling things out in the ecosystem, both literally, relationally, emotionally, all of all of the ways in which it communicates to be in greater union, harmony, cooperation, you know, connection with each other. So I, I would push the converse, that, that question even to why now in, in today's context. I don't think a thousand, I mean, it, could, it would have been great if 2000, a thousand years ago, more people were aware of these presences, but evolution doesn't seem to work in always in massive quantum leaps all the time. There are quantum leaps like Jesus who catapult things forward, but we have to be the ones who walk that out. I'm being careful not to preach here, but I'd love to hear your thoughts because I feel like the the subject matter itself of Spirit Guides is so vital to how this conversation can move forward as we're going through, say, for instance, and I'll, I'll wrap up here, but as structural Christianity is being disentangled, which I prefer that word over deconstructed because deconstruction is more like destruction. And it's really popular now to destroy everything. But it, in a post-structural way of, of moving around in the world, you don't have to hate the previous things. You can just say, it it held me until I could move on, or it's it held us until we could move on. And I feel like this particular subject matter is not just the latest, coolest thing, but rather um, a way of being in the world that helps the world because we're able to hold not only the presences that are supporting us, but the presences that we're surrounded by.
2: Yeah, David, that's beautiful and perfect and a much better answer than the question I asked. I mean, that question of why, wow. uh, You know, that first of all, just like you were saying at the end there, that comforting presence, that, that experience of love and, and, not being alone i mean it, we're, we're still kind of in the midst of a pandemic here where people are isolated and lonely and we're we're in the age of individualism where we're separated and disconnected and and there is an epidemic of loneliness and certainly we want to cultivate more human relationships and better um you know better spaces for community and depth connection which is something we're trying to do but also being aware and connected to our spirit guides uh, is a really, really healing balm for that, right. Um, for many people. Um, but so too, what you're talking about in in this evolving sense, uh, that I really resonate with is how, you know, we have kind of lost our trust in the religious authorities, if you will, whether that be the institutional church, right. The structure of, um, you know, whether that's Catholic or Protestant, whatever that might be that that's broken down, um, so to maybe are uh, for many people, the authority of the Bible, right? Telling us how to live, what to do, right? Well, there's good things in that, but we, you know, with, with all of those things breaking down and with a spirituality um, that often tends more toward the universal, to the cosmic, to the, to the all, right. Or the interior, the, the, the eye space, right. God is within me. I am here. Right. It kind of subtly and imperceptibly, can leave the ego in charge. (laughs) Right? Like, like, we no longer have authority that we're just deferring to. And then our expressions of spirituality move into this great cosmic, unified and individualized space. Uh, And so how do we know what's true? How do we know what, what we're supposed to do? How do we discern what's next? Well, it's, it's all, it's all pretty much individualized, right? Maybe you have a spiritual actor, maybe you, you know, there's some, some good, still some good avenues of guidance in that sense. Um, but we can so easily get trapped into the perspectival, right? This, I mentioned this earlier, the singular, everything goes through me. I am the captain of my own ship, right? I, I steer the wheel, right? <laughs> I'm going to go with the rudder. The wind might change, you know, and the stars show the way, but I'm the captain, right? I, everything is through, and and there's, there's both sort of a freedom in that individualism that we appreciate and enjoy. And there's, there's also kind of a curse in that, right. Where how do we discern, how do I know there's all these different sources of information and right. What's true. What's not, where do I go, what, you know, and, and we can get really caught in just sort of everything revolves around me. Right. (laughs) And so I think there is a real evolutionary purpose here. You know, we had a group a few days ago where, a number of them had all shared experiences of guides coming to them with indigenous, um, energy, right. Or, or indigenous sort of guides. And they were coming to, to, you know, speak for the earth and to, um, you know, at the very least they're, they're showing a different perspective, right. (laughs) They're bringing wisdom from experiences and, um, and from the other side, right? Wisdom and 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 awareness and knowledge that we don't have in our singular perspective. And sure, we still, of course, need to discern and not just you know hand everything over to who, who, whatever guides might show up. But there's really, um, there's really a lot of potential there to have these other perspectives come in and guide us and bring wisdom and and kind of um, allow us to to welcome in, uh, a way of living in a spirituality that is more than just our ego, uh, leading the way, or, or, even not our ego, right. But our, just our personal perspectival approach to life. Um, along with that, I mean, there's, there's traditions of, of guides merging and connecting with, with us in ways that, um, right. That, that are really transformative and, 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 and just kind of, um, just the resource that guides can be, right? Not, not again, not in sort of like an all self-relational way, um, but but how, um, well, okay, I'll bring this in. So one, one of the things when you're thinking about guides as well of who, who they might be, right? Sometimes they come and unaware and we don't know, but we can also seek out particular guides. We can ask for presences to come to us, Paul, you've talked about this before, right? Is there a, is there a figure in the Bible that's, that's particularly resonated with you or a saint or someone that, um, that speaks to you? Some people experience ancestors um, because those are, those are really maybe the familiar presence of having felt them in life helps us be able to sense them um, on the other side. And that, that can be a helpful sort of introduction or way of, of coming into, to awareness of those presences. Um, But also that these guides might come with a particular um, thing to show us, or maybe a particular energy uh, to offer us as a resource for something we need in our life. Uh, When I was first sort of experimenting with this uh, after, after Daniel, I think, and and looking for other guides, I'd always, my favorite author is is Dostoevsky. And um, so I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll try that out. I, I really, I've loved his books and, and learned a lot from him. And so I kind of tried to attune and see if, if he was there and, and after some practices and in, in meditation and States, I, I kind of got this faint sense of him off to my right, uh, not too close. <laughs> um, but he had a really particular energy and, uh, you know, it might be some of my associations, as Paul said, these are things we co-create, but he really brought this energy of, um, dedication. And, um, I mean, Dostoevsky was, was really prolific and very passionate and it comes through in his writing and such. And so, um, I could actually draw on him as a resource, um, and and actually receive energy from him for my writing, or for, um, for, for more passion and whatever it might be. I, I don't, I don't do that anymore. I, I have less of a need for that and just sort of how things have, have evolved, um, in my own energetic journey. But, um, but that was a, a cool little experience for me of just, uh, yeah, having a particular, uh, gift, I guess, of a guide, um, that, that really helped me in life. Um, so just wanted to share that as well. Cause that's, that's another way that we can experience guides in in uh, and some of them have particular things. I mean, we, we mentioned before there's, there's feminine and masculine dynamics as well. And um, just, just a lot that they, they have to offer us. So uh, yeah, I just encourage everyone to give it a chance, be open to it, uh, seek to experience it. You know, there's, there's a lot of great reasons why it might be beneficial and helpful to you and to others. And, um, and like, like David said, it's not just for the experience of it, right. To have a cool, cool experience, but so much that our, our guides can bring to us and
0: offer. I think one last thing, uh, a thought, and I'd love to hear from you, Paul, too, as we wrap up, but uh, I know what has been meaningful, both for myself and then also as I work with my folks who are in the um, postmodern, you know, uh, center of gravity, is to learn how to relate to Jesus if they're still Jesus leaning and, and most of the folks that I'm working with still are um, is to relate to Jesus as a non-corporeal guru, let him be your guru. And in, in that sense, it becomes, he becomes less of the traditionalist cosmic problem solver and, and more of an intimate presence in my life who embodies love and transmits that love to me. And this begins to reframe how a non-corporeal presence who loves me infinitely and is not bound by space and time is in my presence and in my life. And and since he's not insecure about sharing that space, when the others come online, um, we can ask or we can be content to just simply sit and say, thank you. Um, I'm open to hearing what you would share, or I'm open to, um, would you be open to hearing what I have to share at this time? But it becomes more of that guru disciple relationship, which is definitely how the New Testament seems to like. If you read Paul, Paul the Apostle, uh, his letters, they, they a lot of them seem to be very much um, non corporeal based guru disciple relationships that you know they're channeling and through prophecy etc cetera, etc cetera. but um i you know for my deconstructionalist friends it's like and who are still jesus leaning then let him be your guru for now and he will guide you his his spirit his breath his intimate you know transmission will guide you into greater truth uh, paul what, what what would be some great final thoughts
1: well that that's uh, that's great, David. uh all my life, I have enjoyed being around people who were smarter than me, or knew more than me, or were more skilled than me, as long as they were loving. If they weren't loving, then they got uncomfortable and competitive, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, so that's one reason I love Jesus. Uh, he knows more than I do, <laughs> and and I need his perspective. And, and it's our 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 highest level guides uh, they have a wisdom to offer us. And so it really is, uh, it's, it's, it's something we, it, it's wonderful for our lives. And they're so, they love us. They really love us. And they want to impart their wisdom so our lives work better. And uh, they do, they do. It's just, it's just wonderful. And uh, if anybody listening wants your life to work better, uh, we encourage you to uh, to pursue what we've been talking about. and uh, if you'd like to become part of one of our we space groups and and do it with some others, you can be a a mystic with some other mystics.